Hello, and welcome into episode two of the Shed Talk podcast. This week, I sit down with Jesus Alviar, who is currently living in San Antonio as part of the Air Force Special Warfare Unit. He is constantly getting pushed and going through things that only a few can withstand and only a few do. I'm excited to let you all hear about his journey and into our conversation. However, before I start with that, every episode I share a quote that has impacted me. However, this show, I will be sharing about a person who has impacted me. This past week, I lost one of my friends to a sudden motorcycle accident. And one of the main things that was represented through numerous people sharing at the funeral was that Alex chased relationships more than he did earthly success. And that was very evident by the impact he left on everybody he came into contact with. As much as I have monetary goals, I want to be known for the fact that I loved God and I loved people. And those are things that I, I and others can all confidently say about Alex. Make the phone call, shoot the text, plan the trip, invest in that relationship, because people are very important. And now welcome in. Listening to the Shed Talk podcast, where we discuss topics on business, leadership, fitness, and community to help you all learn and grow in all areas of life. This is your host, AJ Raber. Welcome in. All right, we have Jesus Alviar today in the shed. Been one of my best childhood friends for a long time and only getting closer as time goes on. He's been up to a lot of very cool things in his life lately, and it's going to be fun to dig into some of that. So I wanted to start off, Jesus with a question what was your favorite memory of us growing up before we graduated high school favorite memories probably gonna be you uh coming in for that Christchurch game two carries and two fumbles and this was on live television my All only game my- ever playing on live television it was great it was great I have to learn not to have my friends in the podcast because this is just going to be exposing me over and over again anyways you did go on to play some college football so tell me a little bit about that. Played a little bit of college football. Not, not Nothing crazy. I went there thinking I was going to be like a third string kicker. I showed up. There were six of us. Where did you go? Newberry College. Yeah. So Jesus's D1 football career lasted all of how long? One semester. So let's just say that is not the reason he's on the show to talk about that. We are, we are, we've already talked about the extent of his football career and we are moving on. <laughs> but anyways, one thing, just talking about like our childhoods and what we enjoyed doing, we were always together when it came to working out, fitness, sports. We had very different backgrounds, but we got along with each other's families very well. He is actually, are you first generation born in the U.S.? I am, yeah. Yes. So we would be have very different backgrounds and being around Jesus and his family, I've learned a lot, came to appreciate a new culture and understand things that you don't understand and, and appreciate until you're actually a part of them. Little funny story about his dad. So my name is AJ. So he always calls me Alan Jackson at karaoke. And unfortunately, I do not sing as well as Alan Jackson. So, so you would be speaking half Spanish, half English in a lot of conversation. And how was that growing up in Landrum, South Carolina? As far as I can remember, I've always known both. But I think I'm pretty sure I learned Spanish first at school, you know, speaking English the whole time. And then my mom being like, oh, how was your day? And having to respond in Spanish. Yeah. Yeah. It was interesting. I think it's very cool because now even like when we go on our certain vacations or around certain people, Spanish is the common language in certain places that we are. It'd be super cool to know that and 
I, that's still a dream of mine to be understand understand the language one day. I currently live in San Antonio, and there's a lot of lot of Spanish everywhere you go. Yeah, so Jesus, we're not going to get into it yet, but Jesus is currently living in San Antonio as part of the uh, Special Warfare Unit of the Air Force. So that is something we're going to cover later. But So he's around a lot of Spanish culture right now, which is a very cool thing knowing his background. One thing that we're very excited about, your mom actually recently just gained residency in the U.S. So tell me a little bit about that process on when she decided to go for it and growing up actually without it, without having residency and sometimes being worried about what might happen. Yeah, so the last time my mom went home, I was one. I'm 22 years old now, so it's been a long time. And it was tough in like the 2008 when everything was going on and people were like getting deported left and right, you know, just just being just scared to drive or to do anything, really. I do remember one time we got pulled over actually in Landrum. It was like 2009. Police officer gave her a ticket. She went to uh, the court to fight it. The cop pulled her aside and told her, if I see you driving again, I'm going to make sure I pull you over and get you deported. So that was, that was pretty, it's pretty crazy. But up until like six years ago, my dad got his citizenship and was able to apply to make her a resident. And she just got it. So it's, it's a long process. You know, it takes forever. And you said that they would apply how long ago? About six years ago. And the reason, just to give people an understanding of how hard that is, correct me if I'm wrong when I say this, when you apply for residency or citizenship, you have to go back to Mexico and they have to pardon you for leaving. Yes. Here in America, they make sure you're, you know, you don't, you're not a criminal. You haven't been doing anything bad your time here. They basically give you the green light and then you go to Mexico. They have to pardon you for leaving the country. Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. And if they don't, you have to stay in Mexico for 10 years before you can come back. So when your mom applied for this to be able to stay here, she was at risk of having to be deported for at least 10 years before she tried again. Correct. And this is very interesting to think about. And we've talked about this before. We would have different viewpoints on illegal immigration. But through this and understanding your mom's story... And understanding there's so many more people. I know somebody else very close in similar shoes. It gives me a a different sense of what's going on instead of just what the media is talking about illegal immigration. That there are real people, mothers, fathers, who would do anything to be able to stay in this country with their kids. And there's just there's a lot of circumstances that affect people differently. And Correct. so we, we still would have different viewpoints on things. But it's been very interesting to see the people behind this and how hearing that your mom got her residency was one of the best news I received at the time. How long have you been going back to Mexico? I used to go about like every year or so, mostly during the holidays, just to visit family down there. So, yeah, it was nice just seeing how they grew up, what it was like. It's a different place down there for sure. We actually just were there in November for our anniversary but would not be, we're in a very touristy area. So I know the country is very different depending on where you go. With that, so what is your dad right now doing for work? My dad owns a, a flooring company and uh, he flips houses at the at the moment. I will say after watching his dad, definitely a guy I look up to in the business world. I've been studying and learning, investing, real estate, and his dad's one that I would not be surprised if he's flipped over 100 homes in his lifetime. 
and he's he's done very well and he does a lot of the work himself. Yeah, he uh he deals with the houses that nobody wants. Explain that a little bit more. The yeah. houses that he goes after, talk about some of these what he's looking for and what he's done. Anything that's run down, looks like it's about to fall down. That's what he wants. He's going to gut them. I don't know. He just works magic with them. That's why I've I read in a book the other day to get the money that nobody else has. You got to do things that nobody else does. That's right. And so everybody wants to buy a nice house, 250 grand and flip it for 400. But that's not reasonable in most situations um, to find the deal you have to put in the work. And he's done a very good job of that. Once you decided to make the move on from Newberry, what were your options and what, what did you pursue after that? While I was at Newberry, I basically told myself I was going to transfer, go somewhere else. As soon as I left Newberry to come back home, it was straight to work. I was working with my dad. Me and Jesus actually redid the floors in our house. It was rough. There was uh, two layers of plywood underneath the uh, kitchen tile. They were super glued. They were glued, nailed, and screwed down. Yeah. And usually only one of those is required. Right. So that was a backbreaking process when it should have been a very simple one. But Thank you, David. Yeah. Thanks, Mr. Swain, if you're listening. So when you gave up the, the thought of working with your dad in real estate, where did you turn next? And what kind of led you to make the decision to look at the military? Reached my breaking point And I was like, you know what? I'm going to try it. What excited you about the thought of joining the military? Being able to travel and just knowing that no matter where you went, you're going to find people just as motivated to use to get better and just meeting good people, you know. How did you narrow down going from just thinking about the military to the actual Air Force? So I've always heard that the Air Force was just a better place overall, just like living conditions. How did you even think about going into the Special Warfare Division? I read it on online. And I was like, you know what? That'd be that'd be pretty cool. Um, after some thought, though, I was like, I don't, I don't know if I could make it. Talked to an Air Force recruiter. I was going to get a regular job. I went to MAPS. And that's what where is MAPS? I, MAPS is a military entrance processing station. So that's where they do your physicals and all that. Make sure you're fit to go. Um, and while I was there, I met now my good my good friend, Ethan Lawless. He just I left a mark on me, you know, I left that day and I was like, I can do it. I, I'm going to give it a shot. So I, I credit a lot to, to that guy. Before diving into that process, what is attack P? So attack P is a tactical air, air control party. Our main mission set is to make sure that friendlies don't get killed on the battlefield. But we also have this, uh, qualification that we can get it's called jtac joint terminal attack controller to make it simple just dropping bombs and now you you will be on the field so attack p is on the field going along with the army correct right. so you can go uh conventional you'll be working with a regular uh infantry division in the army or you could go soft you'll be working more uh with the seals the rangers uh green berets nice so i know one thing that's super appealing about that is the brotherhood of the Air Force or the military in general. Everybody, I loved being on a football team with guys who are going through battle together, which I know the battle of football team is nothing compared to the battle that you're going through. But just that's even one of the reasons I loved CrossFit. Going through hard things with other people brings you closer together. How was was that very appealing to you? And how have you seen that correlate to actually being in? Very much so. In my time in the special warfare community, everybody's striving towards the same goal, trying to make themselves better. 
every day, you know, and we're all going through the suck. I feel like you have to be a little bit crazy to put yourself through all that, killing yourself day to day, drowning in the pool and just being able to get up the next morning, knowing that you're about to go through all that again and just doing it. What'd be very hard about that is not even just knowing that you have to wake up and do it tomorrow, but that you have to wake up and do it again in six months. When you decided to go into special warfare, what were some of the entrance requirements for that? In order to even be considered, you had to take a, a pass test, which consisted of two minutes of push-ups, two minutes of sit-ups, a minute of pull-ups, a mile and a half run, a 500-meter swim, and 225-meter underwaters. Which was the hardest part for you? The pool. The swim. <laughs> the pool was definitely. I didn't know how to swim. Um, my recruiter at the time, he was like, yeah, they'll teach you how to swim, which I guess they did. But yeah, it was the pool is something else. So tell me about how you got better at the pool. AJ and I, well, I started at the Y and AJ was like, you know, what? I'll swim too. So he, he kind of pushed me a little bit. So we were just swim like we had no idea what we were doing. We were just, I guess, somewhat swimming. Uh, come to find out we were doing it all wrong. Five days a week swimming, air quotes. So on the test, they allow three strokes, which is your regular freestyle combat side stroke and the breaststroke. Gotcha. Which they're all hard. Yeah. Now, did you have any close calls where you thought, you were going to drown or getting pushed beyond your limits? Oh, 100%. Every day in special warfare prep was a, was a battle in the pool for me. Now it's a laughing point. At, at, at the time, it was, uh, it was rough. I can attest to this. I went and visited Jesus uh, around six months ago and just heard from all of his friends. He, he's an animal in the weight room and running and just everything, the military background. But the pool is a different animal. If you're as a kid taught that the water is bad and taught that stay out of it or you might drown, it is a hard mental block to overcome that and conquer that fear. If you had to pick one story to show what the worst time you had in the pool where you thought you were done, which one would that be? I'd say there's two, honestly. Special warfare prep is just like an 18 hour day of just getting your your nuts kicked in. There's two pool sessions. During the second one, we were doing these things called 10 ups. So you're sitting on the edge of the pool and the front leaning rests. So you're holding a push up. When they say go, you just dive in head first in the pool, underwater, touch the crack. It's 13 feet, ascend, get back up in the front leaning rest. And you do that for like 10 reps. I somehow survived, got out the pool, and I was just sitting there because they make you sit in a certain position. And I was sitting there and I was literally, I just, that's the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. I can't imagine going through with that and being told to do five more reps of what you thought you were already dead on. Yeah. Now I know you had to go through something with a air device and getting pushed underwater. Buddy breathing. You just have the snorkel and it's just you and your buddy, you know, you're locked in, you're passing the snorkel back and forth. So you get, you get one breath. You're just like, <sighs> Because you got to clear the snorkel first. Um, so you clear it, you take the breath, pass it. He does it, passes it back. So you're just sitting there back and forth underwater. And the instructors will come and they call it like sharking. So they just splash you 
flood your mask, um, push you all the way to the bottom, try to take your snorkel. Um, and if you're already scared of the water as it is, just having to th- deal with that. It's pretty, I can't, I can't it's imagine. So have you ran in, in, into any setbacks along the journey that made you get pushed back or get reevaluated? Yes. Yeah, so I washed back in block two. I in block three. So this is my second go time in block three. And what were those? In block, we do these things called rucks. Um, you have about 110, 120 pounds on your back and you just walk. Which is harder than it sounds. It's, yeah, this is really bad on the body. But in block two, they had this crazy pace, six miles an hour and 30, which if you've rocked, you know, that's pushing it. Like it's tough to make. I felt that they were like, you know what? Uh, we're going to have to wash you back. So there was 10 of us. They washed us back. The next the next team to come through block two, they changed the standard because they knew that that just it was just pushing. Unrealistic. Yeah. With that, when you were faced with that that first failure, how did you, what kind of headspace did you go to and how did you overcome that to face the next challenges that you had? It was, it was tough. Just like my other friends that pushed through, I looked at them and I was like, you know, I can make it. Just being uh, surrounded by them, having your team, it, it's, it makes it a lot better. When you get washed back, they have this thing called black team. It's where you just work out with coaches, three workouts a day. That got very old. It was like, they call it Groundhog Day because you're doing the same thing over and over every day. So that was a that was a rough nine weeks. So right now in the middle of block three, what is your fitness regimen and daily schedule looking like? Blocks three and four, they're more uh, building muscle, getting stronger. Whereas block one and two is more about to break you down, you know, see how much you can take. We work out five times a week, 6 a.m. every morning. Do some bench, some squats, some deadlifts. So you were definitely seeing some progress of your numbers going up. Nice. What is your actual daily week looking like? So right now, block three is a lot of team movements. So you like learn how to maneuver out in the open field. So we will work out, hit some class in the morning, probably do small units. Units is what we call it in the afternoon. We're also learning a lot about how to clear rooms. So that's been an experience. We probably do that in the morning, small units in the afternoon. So just the basics. What time are you waking up for all this? Uh, I wake up at 430 every morning. If you're waking up at 430, how long of sleep are you getting or what time are you usually getting to bed? I try to get in bed by latest eight beauty sleep. Which you need a lot of because if, right. if you are watching this podcast right now, you do know that Jesus needs his beauty, beauty sleep. <laughs> that's actually something we talked about in the last episode also is the importance of waking up early. When you wake up early, what does that do for you? And do you also wake up early when you're off duty? I'll try to sleep in on the weekends, but like after five, I'm just like wide awake and I can't go back to sleep. Are you a better person because of this? I know it just gives me more time to get things done throughout the day, you know, and it sucks waking up. But like throughout the day, you feel a lot better, at least for me, like I can get three hours of sleep. I wake up like nothing, but halfway through the day, I'm like dragging, like I'm just tired. Whereas I get full eight, I wake up tired, but I just, I can last all day. Yep. One thing I've learned from these talks with Jesus is how much the military invests in their people. So just going through with, by the time Jesus is ready and done, 
there's going to be a lot of money spent in his education, training, and making sure that he's ready to on defend the country, which is very cool. Now, do you have plans for after those six years and what you want to do? This is a job that I really enjoy, so I could definitely see myself pushing past the six-year limit. There's these things called guard units, so you're like half-time military, half-time just being a civilian, and just still do the job, so... I believe at three years, they gave me the option to do that, but my contract will extend to 10 years. Where are you finding a lot of your motivation from? Just the dudes around you, man. You got to, you know, you got to surround yourself with the dudes that have the same goal in mind that are pushing through it just like you are. Um, And it's definitely takes some willpower just to be able to push through everything. I heard this quote, actually, I was reading last night and it said, I would rather be with the people who are pursuing growth and boldly going forward than being stuck with the people who will always be left behind. Correct. Yeah. But that's how I am viewing life right now is finding my circle, a a circle of growth that I'm going to be excited to grow with for the next 30 years. Right. And not as much for temporary fun and to coast through life with. Yeah, for sure. I know you read some, you, you get your motivation from places. What are some books that you've went through lately or, or fitness people that you're following or just places that are motivating you? My favorite book to read is Never Quit. It's Jimmy Settle, a pararescue in the U.S. Air Force. And he just talks about his experiences through the pipeline. Pararescue is a very physically demanding job. Just his experience of just going through the pipeline. It's insane. I really, I really love that book. Now, is PJ the highest level of this special warfare that you can go? It's pretty it's pretty high up there. Now, if you could give somebody one book recommendation right now, what would that be? Never quit. For Never sure. Never quit. Now, to move on to our last topic of the podcast, which some might, might say is the most important one, is college football. College football. And the thing that – the reason I have a bone to pick with Jesus is I, this past year, went to the Clemson-Carolina game, and I was told that this was going to be the year that Carolina had a shot. And I was let down. So what what do you have to say for the 2021 Gamecocks that were so hyped up this year? I just want to say uh, welcome to my world of being a Gamecock fan. Every year is you're just prepared to be disappointed. This year specifically hurt a little bit more because, you know, you heard rumors about Clemson. They're not looking that good. We might actually have a chance. Not the case. They uh they blew us out. Are things looking up though right now? Spencer La- Rattler is looking pretty so, good. Bringing in Spencer Rattler and what's that tight end's it? The tight end, Can't Anthony his name. maybe five star tight end coming in from Oklahoma. This this is a testament to Beamer used to coach at Oklahoma. He was an assistant of some sort, right? And so his connections, he was able to pull that off. That was that is a big move for a young coach to bring in those top tier talents. What we're going to be very watching is he if he can convert that talent to wins, which playing in the SEC, this is not a uh, easy conference by any means. But I know that our quarterback room is looking pretty good. We got uh, Spencer, their former five star, I guess he was. Um, we just had a four star commit. Luke Doty, former four star. So we're looking pretty good. Being a fan of Ohio State for my whole life and being able to every year have th- two five stars in the system coming up and not having to worry where talent's coming from. It is so much fun to watch 
a, a Carolina fan be very hype about a one quarterback coming in. Hey. So this this is this is good to be in the, the other shoes. But we're on the rise. I will say I will be rooting very hard. I hate saying that I'll be rooting for Spencer Rattler because he's a a drama queen from what it looks like, and I don't see a whole lot of teamwork coming out of him from what we were able to view at Oklahoma. But it'll be very interesting to see if he's able to put off his me mentality for a team mentality when he gets under Beamer at USC. Now, do you know, is he already at USC? I believe he is. But if anybody can change him, it's Beamer. How old, Beamer is, how old, how old is Beamer? It doesn't matter. He's in his 30s. This is this is a, a local hometown guy, which I'm rooting for. But I, I think USC fans need to learn, though. Beamer's not a, a Saban day or unfortunately even Sweeney, but I, I will be rooting for him very hard. I will say uh, he's better than Urban Meyer. Urban Meyer's not living his best life right now. Yeah. That is for sure. <laughs> so going from a highly recognized college coach, still not liked though. Nobody really liked Urban Meyer. I w- and I would be very hard pressed to see if anybody would say that they thought Urban Meyer was a good guy. At Florida, multiple uh, he quit because of health issues. Going back to coach on at Ohio State, and I know it uh, down in Jacksonville, he had a lot of talent coming in with Trevor Lawrence, and the the showtime was on him. What he would say to his coaches, kicking the kickers, even the video of him in the bar. Yeah, I was about to say groping with a I'm guessing twenty one to twenty four year old girl. There's not many ways to come back from what he's done this year. So I will not expect to see him coaching in the NFL ever again. If he wants, he will have the chance to coach at a college. There's a lot of mid-tier to even high-tier colleges that would be stupid to turn down such a big name for their college. But I will not be surprised if we see just saw the end of Urban Meyer. The man's probably set right now with the pension package. And oh, he, sure. he got his golden parachute. Yeah, he's living life. So also though, what 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 do you think is going to be going on in for the Gold Clemson Tigers this year? I I'm assuming DJ or hoping DJ will not be starting for them next year. I know they have a five star freshman coming in out of Texas, which everybody's hyping about. DJ probably had the most disappointing season of a Heisman contender at the beginning of the year that I've ever seen, and starting at a top top five Heisman favorite to probably not even a top thirty quarterback right now. It was fun to watch. I enjoyed every <laughs> every second of it. I'll say I will be very excited for the day. I, pr- I will probably be in attendance to watch the Carolina-Clemson game this up year and see Spencer Rattler take on the Tigers. It's our year. How many times in a year row have, have we heard that? Seven years ago. Seven years ago. So it has been a great probably around 45 minutes talking with Jesus just about life, his family, Air Force, and touching on college football. But – Pleasure to have you on here. I would love to have you on here again once you've been in the unit and been in the field for a couple of years and can tell me some uh, horror stories that we can't put on the air. But last question. How many people have you already killed in the field? It's confidential. How many people have you killed before you got in the Air Force? Confidential. And there you have it. We are out. So thank you for tuning in.